about missing launch footage. But before we get into that, we have some space news to cover. So welcome to the Space Explored podcast. I'm Derek Wise. With me today is Seth Krakowski. How are you doing, Seth? I'm in Spain without yes, but other than that, I'm doing fine. All right. Well, uh, that that's not great, but we've we've got we, <laughs> we've got some news to cover. We're going to talk about the mysterious, not so mysterious rocket that crashed into the moon. We're going to talk about a couple of rocket launches. We're going to talk about mobile Starlink. Uh, lots of stuff that uh that NASA administrator has said. We've got. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about today, right? Launches, yeah, yeah, uh huh, yeah. It was an interesting week. Um, I guess we'll start off with kind of the biggest story this week was uh, was Capstone. So we talked last week about how Capstone launched. It was launched on a Falcon, um, not Falcon Nine, a Rocket Lab Electron rocket. Um, it seems like Falcon Nine was a whole bunch of, them, but yeah, no, a different rocket launched, uh, which is awesome. We've seen some variety, which is great, and uh, it launched it. It was a it was a very small CubeSat uh, launched to about the size of a microwave to the moon. It took a couple of days um, because uh, it's not it's a, a super powerful uh, kickstage that Rocket Lab used. But uh, it eventually launched and it was separated from the um, Rocket Lab's photon upper stage. Um, and we kind of ran into some, uh, NASA at least ran into some uh, connection issues. Yeah, so it was not looking great. Uh, astronomers weren't seeing data and so there was some initial worry before nasa came out and said anything eventually uh they gave their initial statement talking about how they have uh they they do not have contact but not long ago at all just earlier today uh they uh regained some connection so things are looking much better for capstone now Mm -hmm. yeah so some of the timeline of events it's separate from the from the uh, photon on, mon- on Monday, July 4th. Uh, and then it did connect for a short amount of time with NASA's Deep Space Network, but shortly thereafter, they weren't able to reconnect to it. So they were able to get enough for, like, kind of like where it is. So they, they didn't lose it, thankfully. They kind of like knew where it was and how, how fast it was going, its position, stuff like that, while where it was going. And since then, they were kind of like, you can, of course, the Deep Space Network has this, you know, the cool site where you can see like what all the different satellites are, or what all the different, you know, missions they're communicating with. And so we just weren't seeing Capstone. <laughs> it was like we'd see Capstone a little bit, but like it wasn't really like downlinking anything, or it wasn't like we was all like kind of confused on what was going on for like about a day when we were waiting for for statements, other than just saying that they're working problems. It's kind of like what um, Advanced Space, which is the company that built it. And then NASA just were kind of just kind of going, yep, there's an issue. We're working on it, which is always, you know, not a lot of information to go off of. <laughs> never, never great signs either, but they reestablished connection uh, and they, they were able to solve the problem. Uh, this, of course, is the first Artemis mission, which hopefully isn't a, a sign about how the Artemis program is going to go. <laughs> the first program kind of has a stumble like this, but. At least it wasn't it wasn't a big stumble, so a little short trip, but uh it's gonna go and it's gonna test out a new orbit, uh and kind of kind of pave the way for Gateway, which would be launching uh later this decade. But other than that, it's been uh that was kind of the biggest story this week. It was kinda of like was a pretty uh, suspenseful start of the week. We were all kind of just 
a little sad in the group chat talking about Capstone. Like, where is it going to go? Yeah. Like, this is going to be, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to lose a little buddy Capstone because it was kind of like, kind of like a small little guy. Like, come on, man. Can I, can I, come, can I come through? But, you know, SLS, moving on, moving on a little bit. Uh, um, another major part, obviously, of the Artemis program is SLS. And a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, a lot of people, SpaceX fans especially, were talking about, well, Starship is coming along. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to be reliable. It's going to be reusable. Why Why is NASA even continuing with SLS uh, when... They've got another vehicle that they're are gonna already gonna use in the program to land on the moon. And I mean, for for people who followed the closely, it was still clear that SLS had and has its purpose in the Artemis program. But we got uh some statements from administrator Bill Nelson uh talking about why replacing SLS with Starship isn't practical for the time being. So you want to talk about that a little bit, Seth? Yeah, so it was an interview, it has random runoff interview he did with a, a German publication that has some really great questions um, in it that whenever we get to interview Nelson or ask questions, like, never really get to ask those type of questions. And all of a sudden, like, this interview popped up and it's great. It's ever since um, Starship got, SpaceX got the, the contract for HLS, the human landing system, um, last year. We're kind of just like, okay, um, what's the point of launching? two rockets to get to do the same job like you're not the same job but like get the same job done we can do with one rocket and of course there's a reason you don't want to have you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket although we're already kind of putting eggs in one basket with having only one you know rated you know crew system so far for for artemis but we're also and we're working on a second lander right now but uh he, he was asked about um what the practicality was of of kind of launching starship um, just kind of replacing SLS and watch a crew just direct on Starship just to save the, the time and cost. Because right now, SLS is a couple billion dollars per launch. Of course, that includes all the development that went into it and the, you know, all the stuff that had to go back and, you know, build it. But yes, it's a very expensive rocket to launch. And he kind of, he did a very good politician's answer where he both completely uh, blew off the fact that uh, Starship should be able, should be launching through, but also didn't put it out of out of the way. Like he both like said, it's not practical, but also yeah, they're looking at doing it. So like it was like kind of like in between a perfect answer in between of just you know, you know it, it could happen, but we're not looking at it, which makes sense for the short term right now. Um, Starship's not ready to launch crew whether no matter what Elon says. I mean it's just it's just not ready um, in the short term to start doing that. And Orion is and SLS is expensive but a great rocket for that job. Um their goals about going to Mars with it is probably a little a little not realistic. Um I don't think anyone wants to be inside an Orion capsule to Mars for that long. I mean, even if it's larger than Apollo, it's it's probably not the most comfortable um, <laughs> for like several months, for, for a week probably, but not months. Uh, so it is definitely uh, makes sense for NASA to look at Starship in the long term, especially when we get closer to the end of the, you know, towards the, the second part of the second half of the decade as to, okay, Starship is launching, you know, if, if the development of Starship succeeds. 
um, Starship's launching, it's capable of launching humans. Um, because so that's eventually the goal, especially with the Polaris program, we'll, we'll be sending humans on it. Um, why are we kind of, you know, funding these two programs that one is just drastically cheaper, um, than, than the other? And it's not like Starship wouldn't be capable of docking with Gateway in the future because it's the whole point. It has to dock with Gateway. Um, so it would just make sense to replace it or at least looking at commercial options in the future to replace SLS because, you know, once, once Gateway's built, you know, similar to the shuttle happened after Columbia, um, it was given the task of just finishing the International Space Station and then retiring, uh, which is a very something I could totally see SLS. Um, just off the gate, its only mission is to uh, build out Gateway and kind of re- to be that crew transport until commercial option um, goes up. There was also two other things uh, talked about in this interview. Um, we talked about kind of the timeline for the first European to go to the moon, as well as uh, he kind of defended his statements with cooperating with Russia. Um, kind of re-mentioned that uh, they're looking at doing a seat swap um, coming up with a, a NASA astronaut flying on a Soyuz and a um, Russian cosmonaut flying on a SpaceX Dragon. However, um, they're still waiting on a um, formal approval um, to kind of be signed um, between the two nations. And that's kind of like kind of where we've been at for the past, I don't know, maybe like a year or so with the seat swap. So there's not a lot of news with that, but um, he kind of stated that it's very important to, to keep the cooperation going because it's, you know, the ISS can't live without without one of them. You know, um, uh, Russia has the propulsion side of things and NASA has the uh, power side of things. So it, you kind of can't separate that thing at this point. And so continue to be professional um, in the cooperation and the fact that while well, Rogozin does state some pretty nasty things about the United States publicly, uh, those statements aren't really for the general public. Those are mostly for his um, politics, which is, you know, uh, pleasing Putin. So the rest of Roscosmo it has been, you know, according to the administrator, very professional and hasn't really uh, followed along with, with what Rogozin wants to do. So that's good. And when it comes to the European um, on the moon, um, I mean, there is a agreement between NASA and the European Space Agency to uh, launch a uh, European astronaut to the moon eventually. Uh, he stated that they would first go the gateway uh, before the moon, which would be a very long timeline for Europe, uh, especially compared to Canada, which signed a treaty with the, uh, NASA last year to launch a Canadian astronaut um, within the first couple missions of uh, Artemis to land on the moon uh, specifically. So I could definitely see like a, we should see like an international type mission. We have like a NASA astronaut um, paired with European and uh, uh, Canadian astronauts uh, to land on the moon, which would be interesting. So I don't know any, did you, did you at all look at the interview at all, Derek? Honestly, not a ton. Uh, I, I, I looked at it very briefly. Uh, when reading over your article. So it's an interesting article. Like it, it was nice to see him like get asked kind of more questions that we've all had on our minds. And we just haven't had a chance to ask him yet. He doesn't do a lot of other than press conferences. He doesn't really do a lot of uh, um, just open media interviews um, unless it's like something very specific about a certain topic. They kind of try to keep them. <laughs> they try to keep them under wraps, which is interesting. Um, Compared to Jim Bridenstine, which would do, he would do a lot of interviews and he would kind of, he would go off a lot of topics. Um, but Nelson seems, seems to try to be kept to that one 
uh, you know, one, one topic at a time rather than multiple topics. This was interesting, really nice interview to go. So if you do have, um, it, it's a good one to read on the site that does have it in English, it's not in German. So it's by like Der Spiegel, whatever, but you can look on our site. We have a link to, um, click to that in the show notes and then in the, in our article, we link to that interview as well. Yeah. Now, uh, a bit more close to home, uh, SpaceX finally got some approval to use Starlink while in motion. So this was, uh, I'd say a very contested issue for a bit because of course, using Starlink in motion is something SpaceX has been wanting to do for a while, whether it's on ships, on planes, on cars, on buses, uh, there are Mm -hmm. plenty of locations and times when having internet connection on the go like that is good, but they did not have, uh, that permission from the FCC that was needed to operate terminals in this manner. So even when they launched the portability mode, I think like two months ago now, uh, that was only for stationary use. You could move to mm-hmm. move to a new location, then use it, then move to a new location, then use it. And there were, of course, people who were uh, using it in motion, which <laughs> is not recommended or allowed per that agreement but it's funny because last week we were we we talked about this because we mentioned the verges review of the starlink rv um product and we're just we're just talking like i wonder like what's holding them up must be right it must be like regulation wise uh about moving it because they already do move it um use it while moving on their on their ships and on their uh their uh, barges so it's not like new that this thing can be moved by moving. It's just, I wonder if this was, this was the thing they couldn't do it for customers. They couldn't allow customers to use it yet. Yeah. And so uh, I would say I would still expect the current, currently existing terminal. I would expect SpaceX to still say not to use it in motion because that creates an extra risk of damage to it. If you're moving at high speed, it's catching the air. There are like bugs and different things that could hit it. So it, it does create an extra risk, uh, to the hardware there but it opens the door for uh a like truly mobile starlink version because some people have been modifying their starlinks because of course they have a pole that sticks down and then the top of the terminal it is motorized so it can aim but most of the time uh the motor will move it to a location then the starlink terminal will sit there and it can do that because it has um. Oh, I forget the uh, phased array. That's the name. Uh, it has array, a, yep. a phased array antenna, so it can sort of electronically direct where the signal is going to, and so it doesn't actually need uh to constantly be using that motor or anything. So some people have created mounts where they take apart their Starlink and hard mount it uh horizontally hmm. on a vehicle or something. And so SpaceX could definitely come out with a product, whether it's embedded in future Tesla roofs or hoods uh, or Mm -hmm. a product that is made to properly be bolted into uh, other vehicles or there are definitely a bunch of different options there for a more. I wonder if they could just build it into they could probably just build it into solar panels in a way. Probably not blocking, probably not like behind solar cells, but like in a section of the solar panel is just a 
a phase of antenna because they they came out with um the range uh, Tesla's range extender yeah um like trailer came out and they have a set they also have Starlink uh, attached to that as well um and they like you probably could just like take a couple solar cells off of a panel and just put a Starlink terminal um I don't know what the if every solar panel is like that's like detrimental to the solar panel as a whole to take off a couple solar cells but I'm not an expert in that so I have no idea yeah I mean they're definitely my my understanding is that the, the antenna is basically like a whole bunch of little antennas. So yeah, it doesn't necessarily need to be one square. Does it then if it, if they can mm, yeah. make it a smaller line, they could maybe put it in gaps between solar panels or stuff like that. I, I'm and no engineer to know this stuff, uh, I, but my, no my point idea. is just but, that there are more ways that the Starlink terminal could be optimized for mobile use. And I'm very excited to see that actually happen because uh, there's there isn't internet connectivity everywhere, and getting high speed connectivity is really important. And so, getting that continuing to spread out uh, as it has with Starlink initially, and now uh, to different use cases with maybe some mobile stuff being approved now, uh, I'm very excited, and I'll I'll leave it at that. Yeah, this is a super exciting thing to have. Hopefully, we can get our hands on one eventually, one day, whenever I don't know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> whenever like we all decide to pitch in and just pay for one, but like, they are still fairly expensive. And I wonder if this is going to be locked down to another version. Like it sounds like Elon to like put this behind a uh, another like uh, you have RV and then you have like RV plus something like that. It can be like used while moving, while moving, like, not just moving around, but also while moving the, the RV. That totally seems something like possible for another like hundred bucks a month. Uh, I don't know what it would cost, and I can't speculate there. But I mean, the portability feature—I yeah. think that was only like twenty-five dollars extra. So it's uh, a it is a notable amount extra, but it's not like doubling the price or anything. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe when the mobile one comes out, it'll have a higher upfront hardware cost, or it'll have the higher monthly cost. Uh, uh, how exactly that goes, well be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we're interested to see at rocket is a mysterious mo- rocket moon crater. Yeah. So what was this? Was this end of last year? I don't remember the timeline. I, I mean, it was basically uh, the very start of this year when we first heard about this yeah. rocket. Um, there was a rocket. Uh, there was a rocket stage on its way to impact the moon, and we're kind of like it's also we don't know who it is, who's supposed well, to be like. At, at first, the, the the story was Elon Musk's rocket is going to crash into the moon, but <laughs> yeah, good good headline there. And then the next one was China, uh, and then China denied it, which is which is this is just a this is just a, a series of stories that just great headlines. Uh, <laughs> First it was first it was Elon, uh, Elon Musk SpaceX rocket. Then it was a Chinese rocket. Then it was Chinese denies it, and now it's um, it finally did impact the moon. Impact in the moon a couple months ago, and the uh, lunar reconnaissance orbiter uh, passed overhead um, and was able to get some photos. We reached out to them earlier; they weren't able to do it right at impact, but they were able to eventually. As it goes around the the moon, um, it was able to. Uh, uh, finally, find the impact crater, and it's a weird one. Now it's the uh, we went through the, all the different you know crazy headlines, and now it's uh, we don't every scientists don't know what happened because it's not a normal impact crater; it's a double impact crater. Uh, 
uh, kind of side by side, which means that there were two heavy objects uh, of the of the impact of the the rocket stage that impacted or whatever. Now they're not, now they're saying whatever impacted this, and now they don't even know if it's a rocket stage that impacted, which is kind of funny. Um, so who knows, like what what this thing is now? That's a fun mystery. You know, another <laughs> mystery that I was not fun that I, I dealt with. I I lost footage of uh SES the launch SpaceX's launch last week. Yeah, what were the launches we had this last week? We had a couple. Yeah, so uh on Friday we had the launch of USSF twelve. That was an Atlas five five four one. I believe that's the last one of that configuration. Um that one carried two technology demos for the Space Force. And we had SES-22. Um, so I'm not as familiar with the, the, the payloads and everything for uh, SES. SES is, a, well, SES is, a, is just a telecommunications company, I believe, right? So um, that, that was just like a, a communication satellite. That's on pretty certain about that and then uss 12 yeah it's a whole bunch of would have uh you know the main payloads and price secondary payloads and some classified stuff in there but yeah you had you were out there they both launched from florida um right yeah was I, was, I was, I was yeah both okay of them. <laughs> for a second i just thought like wait was SES in california no it was in florida, it was in florida. uh the one coming up here is, in, is gonna be in california but yeah so um yeah how did that go uh SES launch uh went went great it launched successfully my video camera remote got some fantastic footage of the launch um and that footage magically disappeared as it was playing on my laptop so that wasn't fun but it's always fun when things just kind of disappear you know you don't know why yeah uh it's you get to put on your investigative uh, hat and figure out what's going on I'm blaming beta software right now, but after, honestly, I have no way to... You get no to do that to... after you punch the wall a few times, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, either way, uh, it looked cool. Take my word for it. Um, but USSF-12, of course, that was an Atlas V launch that was going to be going on Thursday. Then weather was just not looking good. There was a while where there was a Phase 2 lightning warning. We were in our vehicles. Uh, eventually... Towards the end of the window, they gave their one weather report where there's like, they said it's near impossible for the weather to clear. And so they didn't launch. But on Friday, they did go ahead. They had a solid opportunity to launch. And they did. And it was a a spectacular Atlas launch. There's not too much more to say about it. Yeah. uh, So we have more launches coming this week. Um, got a Starlink. Starlink coming up tomorrow. I believe that's the second flight of a 13th flight booster. Or the mm-hmm. second time Anything a else? 13th flight booster has flown, I believe. And don't we have something coming out from California as well? I saw something go out. On Sunday, I think, maybe. Okay. Well, yeah, something out from California for all you West Coast people who want to see a launch. Um, they're coming out. Uh, Rocket Lab. End of this. Or is it? Is it twelfth and twenty second? I think. I think next week they're doing a. Uh, um, they're going to try their their back to back in air quotes. Uh, when they first announced back to back, we kind of got really excited, but it's actually just been ten days. 
um, from launching down in in New Zealand. So that uh, they're announced that those dates for the end of the month as well. So interesting stuff. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything else capped up that you can think of? SLS, it's back in the VAB. Uh, yep. Ahead of, I mean, just some final preparations for maybe, maybe end of August launch. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see uh, how that all goes. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys all probably in a couple of next episodes. So, of course, you can follow along with uh, all the space news at spacesport.com or follow on with uh, our thoughts uh, on Twitter about space or other stuff. Um, I'm uh, at Twitter at Seth Kirk, S-E-T-H-K-U-R-K, and Derek, you're at? Derek is wise. And of course, uh, please subscribe or leave a review of the podcast uh, for many of your major podcast listeners, Apple, Google, um, Spotify, as well as you can also listen to it at spaceport.com as well. So we'll see you guys all in a future episode.